Hello, my friends. How you doing? This is Aaron Maurer, a.k.a. Coffee Chug. Guys, I want to welcome you to Living on an Edge of Chaos podcast, episode 130. Guys, I finally have guests. This season, I have people I'm talking to. It's not just me rambling on about random things and comics and books and all that good stuff. Today, we're cutting right to the chase. There was a really, really powerful question posed by my good friend, Ginger Lumen. And the question was, is participation the same thing as engagement? So in this episode, I'm bringing Ginger on and another amazing uh, colleague and friend of mine, Patty Duncan, and the three of us answer this question. We break it down and we explore all the layers that really start to unfold when you start to think about participation and engagement. In the end, we're not trying to tell you what to think. We're not trying to give you the answers. We're trying to give you some nuggets, some food for thought, some curiosity, some wonderings, and we hope that you take a listen, you think about your own practices, your own ideas, your own answers, and we would love to hear from you. And so leave a comment, reach out to us on Twitter or on the, leave a comment on the page, wherever you're listening to this, and uh, let us know your thoughts because I think this is a concept that many of us are grappling with. And so let's dive into the question of is participation the same thing as engagement. Enjoy, my friends. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Aaron Mauer, outside the box thinker, here to teach each and every teacher how to tinker. Living on the edge of chaos, born insane. Listening to coffee chugs like happy for the boring. One of the top teachers in Iowa, word is born. Here to show the world that there's more here than corn. Chaos. Hey, real quick before we begin, just so you know, I goofed up the audio recordings. That's on me. That's my mistake. And so this is not as crystal clear as I would like or had hoped. Please don't let that take away from the powerful ideas of, of Patty and Ginger. You can blame the tall, bald, ugly guy. But as you listen, there might be a few little pops or noises. Um, that's on me. But let's get into the show. But I just wanted to warn you in case you have headphones on so those noises don't uh, blow up your ear holes. All right, let's roll. Hello, everyone. How you doing? This is Coffee Chug here, back with another episode on Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. Today, I'm here with two phenomenal guests on a topic that I think all of you are going to have an opinion um, on, for sure, regardless of who you are and what you do in education, or heck, even if you are a parent. And today, we're going to be talking about the... the it's, it's one of many buzzwords, but it is a word that I think we're all trying to grapple with, and that is uh, the topic of engagement. And so, before we get into the question that we want to tackle, and, and give you some food for thought and, and, and some thinking points. I want to introduce the guests that we have here for the show today. Um, and, and Patty, let's start with you um, and have you introduce yourself, kind of who you are, what you do, all that good stuff. Thank you so much. My name is Patty Duncan. I have been an educator or in education, I should say, for almost 25 years. Um, I am a former high school chemistry, physics, physical science teacher, but for the past 12 years I've been working for Discovery Education, mostly in the field of professional development, professional learning, um, and instructional implementation of technology and media. Um, I work a lot also with other organizations, largely in the science field on things like, um, you know, the growth mindset um, and uh, project-based learning. That's where I met Ginger actually, and um, other things like that. So I just, it's very, interesting to me how folks are struggling these days 
um, in everything that we're trying to get done. And, and I hope that some of the things that I'm doing is helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're going to bring a great uh, perspective, especially to this, this topic, because it's, it's a lot of the work that I know that you do and in some shape or form through whatever hat you happen to have on definitely in the moment. And uh, Ginger, why don't we head over to you and introduce who you are? You've you've been a guest. Actually, I need to go back and look now that I'm, I'm, I'm talking out loud here, but you might be the uh, number one most returned guest on the podcast. So um, if people have been listening to the show, they, they know who you are and they know that we're going to be, be poking uh, the bear here a little bit today, but uh, let's go ahead and introduce you are who you are for those that, that maybe the first time listener. Um, I work for a nonprofit education service center in Hutchinson, Kansas, called ESDAC, and um, I used to get to travel across the United States and in different countries and helping people rethink how teaching and learning can be in the world. Um, now I'm just mostly traveling, I guess, virtually. Uh, which is cool. It's really kind of, I kind of like this, this world. People are talking about how this is really different for them. And for me, um, I love it. This is how I like to connect from the center of the U S anyway. Um, yeah, 26 years in education. My, uh, originally a social studies teacher, middle school, high school, and in the gifted education and special education. And, um, then I got tapped to start my own sort of school and, and now I get to help people think differently. There you go. I have a lot of questions. That doesn't mean my answers are right for you. I just want to put out a buffet of thoughts so that you pick and choose what what might be tasting in your plate. Yeah. Awesome. And so, and, and, and you've done just that actually. So um, the, the whole reason for the, for this particular conversation is this Ginger, you, you, you sparked some, some great uh, debate and insights um, over on another platform. People may have heard of it called Facebook. Um, you posed a, a question um, to the people that, that, that follow your work and, and your thoughts and, and this buffet of, of, you know, tasty uh, morsels of thought that you uh, send out your way. So um, if, if you'd be willing, I'd like for you to um, pose the question that we would like to have some conversation and thought around. Um, and then obviously any sort of context you want to give to it, because I think the question, I don't think, I know this is what almost every single educator regardless of where you live or what you're doing or your situation is currently trying to grapple with in some shape or form. So um, I'm going to throw it back over to you here to, to start it with, with the topic, the question, and uh, kind of where this was was germinating from. And then we'll dive in and, uh, you know, have some uh, discourse around it. Absolutely. I was in my, um, oh, was, what, a week, week and a half ago, I was in my 457,000 uh, Zoom meeting of month. And um, this fella, there was a large group of us coming together, and a fella um, put out in, in a meeting, as he and his organization are wont to do, is uh, they always start their, their Zoom meetings with a, a mentee poll. And, you know, they're amusing and interesting and usually somewhat related to the topic. And, and as, he was, uh, as he was getting us to do this today, he made the offhanded comment of, all right, come on, get in here and answer this poll. I want to make sure you're all engaged and you're learning. And, and, and then we moved on. And I'm not sure that he really meant it as full engagement, but he used the word. And, and, and that to me is a, it's a, a flag word to me where, because I really believe in engagement. I have worked in places and, and it's been a large chunk of my career to get kids truly engaged, not just participating. And so I just, I was a little irritated that moment anyway. And then that just kind of, 
threw gas on the fire. And so I just went over to Facebook as I want to do to kind of get some thoughts out because I process through thinking and talking with people. And so I said, uh, what's the difference between participation and engagement? Because they're not the same. What's the difference? Just because I'm participating does not mean I'm engaged. Mm. And it was interesting because a lot of the comments through there, uh, some people said, yeah, I may be really engaged in not participating. And that made me pause for a second because in project-based learning, you are hand with elbows and, and you know, you're going at it, you're participating and you're engaged. I didn't ever think about somebody who could be fully engaged and not participating. And then it made me think, is that really engagement or are you just pondering? Other levels of engagement. So, there's, like I said, there's lots of uh, uh, handles for us to dig into today. Uh, but that's kind of where it came from. And through that process of the thread on Facebook, I got to push back a little bit on my own thinking. Everybody's really gentle about it. And I'm not calling the fella out. He's a good guy and he's doing great things for education. Um, he just happened to use a word at a moment that was a tinderbox for me. <laughs> Yeah, so so Patty, I know you 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 had some thoughts on there, and I mean I did as well. And so as as you were thinking about about this question, now that Ginger's kind of set the stage here, what were some of your initial thoughts, or, or or where where have your thoughts maybe traveled since we've we've all seen that? Because there were lots of angles to the question, and I think you know if if, if no one if, if people take nothing else out of this conversation, I think it's it's the opportunity of using platforms like Facebook or other places to see perspectives that you just can't see yourself and i think you know for me almost what you're talking about ginger like people were posing things and i was like "Ooh, that's that's good like i i don't know if i agree or disagree and sometimes i did but i'm like "Ooh, like that makes sense i get where someone's coming from and so um I, i'm curious patty putting you on the spot with your thoughts how wh- where, where's your stance on here with the idea is engagement the same as participation knowing your backlog of all the work that you do with schools and and teachers and and all the things that you've got going on yeah it's interesting because my initial reaction or my gut reaction was i think i know where this is going to go right and that was because you know in my world i have to deal with what i know to be um ideal uh and what i know to be what most people believe are the reality of their situation, if you will. And so um, every day when I'm having conversations with teachers in particular about online instruction um, and supporting them in how they're trying to do that, um, you know, they have the rules that are sent down to them from above. And those rules can be anywhere from every kid must be on camera and demonstrating engagement in some way to, you know, all the way from that to the other end of the spectrum where they don't even have to necessarily face to face virtually check in with their students. And so, you know, when it comes to engagement, I think that it's, again, one of those words that people have over the course of you know, their experience in a variety of things used and abused it in many different ways. But I do think that there are a lot of people in education that are using engagement and participation simultaneously. And I don't believe that that is the case at all. Um, Like Ginger, um, a lot of what my understanding of engagement is built around, you know, uh, ownership, um, and, and um, you know, uh, truly being um, 
involved in the conversation around how I believe about something. And, and, and the reality though, is that a lot of educators are just truly hoping because they have a responsibility of also making sure that the students are participating. And so they, they, they mush the two together, if you will. And, um, I think that when we start to have the conversation with them about separating the two and focusing more on one versus the other, that's where things get interesting, right? If we could focus more on engagement, I don't think we would have to worry about participation. Although when that person responded to Ginger about being fully engaged and not participating, it set bells off for me as well. Cause I was like, I think there have been times in my life when I've been engaged in something, in a conversation, but chose to not participate for one reason or another, um, especially on social media. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that that raises, um, I mean, just keeping that, that, that frame of thought there of the idea that you can be engaged and not participate. Let's just run with that for the, the sake of an example here. Um, because, Patty, I think you hit on, on something that I've been trying to grapple with, not just with engagement and participation, but just thinking about how educators are trying to figure out the hybrid virtual learning for the first time versus their their norms of face-to-face. -face. And you said something that, that triggered a thought in my head of like the checklist, the demands that their schools or districts are imposing on these teachers, um, where can participation be a checklist of items? I don't know that engagement it can be a checklist. I don't know that you can truly look at, put together a rubric and say, this person's engaged in the process. It's it's much of my own personal philosophy, the same thing I get really hyped up on, like people who try to put a rubric to like creativity. Like who are you to judge what's creative? That's a separate conversation. But coming back to this conversation of, of all those things, I think about a couple of meetings I've had um, in the last year working with people where people look disengaged. And I know that I've been in this process. You don't share, you don't participate, but the topic is either so new or so challenging that you are truly engaged of trying to think about one, where is your stance? And two, can you even verify that your stance is even legit? Like I know I've sat in, in, in my own meetings with, with my colleagues and probably looked like grumpy old man in the corner going, well, he's not doing anything. He's just sitting over. But what I'm doing is I'm thinking and I'm processing and then I'm going home and I'm reading and then I'm re looking on this article. And then, you know, for me, it's maybe even bringing out a guest to a podcast. Like, and I have to come back to that. And I'm going to come back to that conversation, but it might not be to our next meeting two weeks from now. And so that same comment also like flipped a switch for me too. Like, you can you have one or the other? Do they have to be? I mean, and I just think it's it's really fascinating, especially as we start to think about how to how do we navigate these new times with kids where their 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 video might not be on, um, their screens off, they're, they're you know they're maybe they're not attending the live lesson, but they're getting the work done. Is that still engagement? Is that still quote unquote a, attendance? Like, what does this look like? As we're not just trying to wrap around participation and engagement, but we're also trying to think about all these new structures of what learning and teaching looks like. There's so many things. <laughs> and I'm just over here writing because I'm short attention span theater and I got to get <laughs> some of the things I think you're talking about. You know, right at the end there, Aaron, you're talking about uh, attendance. And I think that this whole conversation and this whole new place we are 
is what's brought this to a head. We've talked in education about engagement for a long time. Oh yeah, I engage my kids. Yeah, they're over there working, they're engaged. Um, but when, when we now get to have mandatory versus self-selective audience, where a kid says, I don't think so. <laughs> right? <laughs> and we've always said that. If a kid could choose to not be in your class, would they choose to not be in your class? Then there's a problem. And we're having kids choose to not be in class in places where people thought they were highly engaging to their, for their kids. And, and I love that. It's really put the feet to the fire of what we've been asking kids to do and then translating it over to here. Um, and that's rough. I just saw this morning, somebody sent me a picture of a tweet. Um, their son talked to them about um, virtual detention where they have to log in before school and sit. What I'm doing basically is I'm taking my little chunk of coal with me of fire, which is important, onto a spaceship to go to Mars. Uh, that's not what we do anymore, y'all. <laughs> These are different times. They call for different tools. And um, so giving back to that engagement piece, is, it sounds like we're, we're, I am rolling engagement into two places. Engagement can be thinking and pondering, or it could be action. Now, I would push a little farther and say that engagement as thinking and pondering, which is done oftentimes how we're describing it, by yourself and quietly, is not engagement, mm. in my opinion. Let me go. I think it's the first start to engagement. I think we need to ponder and think before we begin to act. And I think the act uh, that engagement is action. That's my point of view. I could be wrong. I don't think I am from my point of view. Um, uh, that That's what we're talking about. You can sit and think all day long, Plato, unless you actually do something about it. What's the world doing differently? Mm. So engagement is action in my world. Yeah, and I think it's interesting um, because I have posed the question to teachers when we've had this topic where I'd say to them, I want you to imagine a world where there are no grades and there are no consequences for not doing the things you want your students to do. Would they still do them, right? Would they still take the action of having that conversation with each other? Would they still take the action of doing the research? Would they still take the action of, of maybe, maybe creating an artifact or taking it all the way through to some sort of crafting a solution, right? Because in the world that I deal with in the STEM world and, and those kinds of things, the, the ideal um, ending point is like having a solution to a problem. And would they still take the action of having and crafting and prototyping a solution to that problem if there were no grades and consequences for not doing so? To me, if they would, then they're engaged. Um, if they wouldn't, then they're only doing it because of the consequence and not because they are truly uh, have ownership of the concept that you're trying to get across. So is it a realistic expectation for educators to achieve engagement with their students because what you're saying there patty i think there's a i mean i think back to when i worked in middle school and i would see um 180 to 200 kids a day and throughout all my classes i could have what i think is the most engaging lesson because i love it and i know i'm gonna have a couple kids that are going to be engaged either because 
the, the, the environment of the room, um, who I am, maybe connections outside of the day. Uh, maybe it is actually the content itself. That's just what they love. And I know, you know, I'm going to have my, my gold star exemplars of what true engagement is. Uh, whether I was in control of that or not, um, I like to think that I was. That's probably to a very small margin of kids. It's it's all the things that led up to that moment that those kids were going to be engaged in that content to begin with. But I'm still going to have a large group of kids do, let's just call it a work. But what they've done is they've played the game of school. Just like you said, they know they have to have good grades. They know they want to be a teacher pleaser. They don't want to be in trouble. You know, they don't want virtual detention. Um, they do care about being successful in life, but they're not engaged because maybe socialize isn't their, it's not their jam, but they're going to do it because they don't want to have the one bad grade among all the others. But like, it's still, we can check the boxes that you did all the things needed. Um, and so I, I think about all the teachers putting so much pressure on themselves, whether it's self-pressure or pressure from outside sources and leaders and admin or whoever it might be to have this engagement. And sometimes I don't know that it's like a realistic thing that you can do because you can't force people to do things they don't want to do. Like, I, I don't know, I, I, but I, it can't be a scapegoat to keep doing the same old garbage that we see over and over and over again in education either. Like I can't, you can't sit there and be like, well, that's, that's why I'm going to give digital worksheets because you know, I, it can't be that either. Like, so I, that, that's where my current grappling state of mind is, is what's realistic and, and, and what is, you know, like the, the moonshot. So that point actually came up in a thread. And I think that's a side conversation of what we're talking about here. But I think in this context, it really matters because you and I, three of us can really go deeply here, um, is um, what, what percentage should we expect people to be engaged in their lives? And anytime I hear that, well, people can't do that all the time. I always ask myself, then I started asking out loud, okay, we can't. So what percentage should we allow not engaged? What percentage is okay? Let's go ahead and make a list of that. It's, this is the same question I ask when people say, or when people say, well, not everybody's gonna be successful. Okay, cool. What percentage are we okay with not being successful? Okay, now, oh, is it 5%, is it 10%? Okay, how many kids is that? Cool, now let's go out in the hallway, point out to me which kids you're okay with not being successful. Okay, so now let's talk about what percentage of the day is it okay that they're not engaged? And it comes down to, Aaron, you hit, I think, dead on, is that some kids just not gonna be engaged in social settings, no matter how hard that breaks my heart. Um, but that's where our system can, and in some places is changing, because we have siloed things out, yeah. I'm concerned about how current trends in education are slipping back to, can they just take an online test, you know, and can they do these online uh, things? Um, but if we can take that kid who isn't necessarily into memorizing dates and people and battles and that kind of thing, and instead look at actual true how does history or social studies play into the role of this current problem we're trying to solve, right? Then we're solving the everyday mystery um, and we're applying what we're learning in a social studies or a history class to be able to do that, right? We're not learning knowledge for knowledge's sake. We're learning this in order to do what? You expect your kids to do this, cool. 
in order to do what? Now, that answer right there is engagement. If we know what they need to do, and we can find a way that matters to them, why? Because I, well, I think they need to do it because I'm a blah, 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 whatever old thing that I grew up in 1971, because it did. I thought that was important then. Uh, and I still think it's important now because that's where my roots are. How's it important to the kids? And that's where the engagement comes in. And it isn't happening in silos, except for those who are really interested in that one niche piece. So how do we let them dive into that too? And that's really, that's what engagement is nowadays, is breaking that mold of our silos. And the beauty is that, as Patty says, the, can we take the test, the online test, uh, and, and it's not working, cool, um, because we now have the world's information and support our fingertips. It's, it's bringing to light the flaws of the system that have been able to be hidden. That when we're right here, right now, and doing the same things we've done before, this hasn't changed. We're just now realizing the change that's happened in the world around us that we didn't notice. This is just now literally and figuratively in our business. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as... as as we bring this to a close, be respectful of your time here too, even though I think we could, we could chat on this for probably three hours and uh, not even begin to even scrape the surface of this. I want you guys to be thinking about um, a challenge or um, a call to action for the listeners to think about how do we start to, I'm going to say increase engagement. And I don't mean that as a, as a slam to people who are working their tail off to make that happen, but like, how do we actually, what's our first steps in that? So I, I want to pose that to you in case you need some time to think, but Ginger, as you're talking and, and, and Patty, as you're talking, I can't help but think about there's this, this meme um, that I've seen online. I'm sure you've probably seen it. And it talks about, um, you know, there's, shows like a, a framework and, and, and the teacher says, you know, to be a professional video gamer will never be a job. You know, like the idea, like, like we know what we need to do. And then the, the next still in, in the framework is, is teachers looking like me with headsets on and, and we now look like gamers trying to figure out how in the world are we going to teach online or in hybrid of all these things. And what I love about it, even though it is kind of poking fun at education is like, like we have to, I think, put our own ego in check that we truly have zero concept of what the future could hold. And I think, I mean, I know there's trends, but the idea here is like, I, I know that there has been teachers. I know my kids have been told that like, you can never have a full-time job as a, as a, as a gamer or a streamer or a YouTuber or all those things. And we now know that that's happening and nobody even saw the disruption of education. And now all of a sudden, all these things that we have been trying to figure out how to do in education, people have been saying it, whether it's in keynotes or workshops or conferences or books, whatever platform. Now all of a sudden, everybody's going, oh, crap, maybe I shouldn't have just dismissed that because what I thought was working in my four cylinder walls was really just, you know, like I always, I, it goes back to this, this, this student voice group I had of this girl who said, classrooms are nothing more than pastel prisons. And I think now that the kids are free, teachers are going, you know, they have jailbroken the system. They, they it, The jailbreak. Like, I can't force a kid now to be on a Google Meet call and have the video on. How do I compete when the kid has two choices? Video games or whatever it is that they like to do or this online content that's sitting, which is nothing more than a digital worksheet. Like, we are now competing with all the things. Um, and 
because of the fact that we don't have them siloed in our four-cylinder walls, you know, that is structured by bells and adults telling them when they can and can't do things, we realize we have to shift. Because uh, I think even the result of COVID moves on, all these things happen, we go back to a set of, set of let's call it normalcy. This system of teaching and learning isn't going away. There are families going, you know what, this model, all online or hybrid, works really well for me. And if you as a district aren't going to provide it, I'm going to go somewhere else that does provide it. Like, I think districts now are going, crap. This is not just a Band-Aid of different modalities of teaching. We better figure out how to do this for the long run or we're losing kids. And we all know what happens. You start losing kids, you lose money, and then it's just a domino effect. So hopefully people are thinking, how do we create engagement, not just for our teachers, but for our kids and for our families, or we've got a much bigger issue five years down the road. So that was my little rant. I didn't mean to go there, but, uh, well, I did mean to go there because that's how I, I prefaced it. But I just I, I just think what, what we're talking about here is, is so huge. And I don't know that enough people are really taking the time to pause and breathe on it and realize what's truly at stake here if we don't start to figure out some systems um, to allow kids the opportunities to get engaged in the content, in the teaching, in the learning. Um, so wrapped it up full circle, come back to you guys. What are some ways in which educators or schools can figure this out? Because I think, I do believe every educator is begging for ideas to make some of this stuff happen. So I, I think there's a majority of people going, I agree, but I don't know how to do that. So what's it look like? I, I think that, you know, they're, they're first of all, is, is there things that we need to change in our system? Are there things, there's directions that we need to go? Are there opportunities that we need to jump on now? Like you said, because this is the prime time while people are looking to make changes, absolutely. But there, I work with thousands of educators every week um, on the reality of their situation, right? And uh, there are some cases where they can only do so much when it comes to breaking down those walls and breaking down those systems and things like that. But they are in control of how they introduce the concepts to their students, how they engage them in the conversation and how they make them um, interested in participating. And, and, and that's the way I like to put it is interesting. And when you're talking about grade school, when you're talking about like your K-5 space, yes, you're working on skill development, but you can work on that skill development as an aspect of, let me make this interesting for you to want to work on that skill development. There is some skill development that is, for lack of a better way of doing it, plug and chug. But I am watching teachers all over the country on social media, doing dances and coming up with puppet shows and all this other stuff to kind of get the students interested and getting them wanting to learn what they have to portray. And then as you start to move up to middle school and high school, they're absolutely, you need to attack the kids' sensibilities. You need to put it in a place where it means something to them. And even if it's algebra, like what your, your wife is doing, right? Um, there are ways to attack math concepts, science concepts, ELA concepts from a framework of what the students are interested in. Now, that being said, you've got 30, 80, 90, 120 kids, and you're not always going to get, like Ginger said, what's that percentage? So any one engagement opportunity might not get all 120 kids. So that's where it comes into difficulty is how do you come up with that thing that's going to hook the majority of them and get them interested in staying with you or 
do you put it out there so it's either broader or flexible enough that they can make it fit in their world to be in it? And those are the techniques that we found with all educators, in my opinion. Total gold in the, in the hill shoes she's exploring. And, and I think that she, right there at the end, talked a bit about the, um, back into that, what I call acceptable loss. The, not all kids are going to be interested, so we go for the majority. Okay, cool. Do that first and get them going. <laughs> but to me, what percentage is acceptable of non-engagement? Zero is acceptable to me. And I'm going to strive to always get 100% engagement. Um, and, and I'm not going to say, and I, don't always, I won't always get it yet. I won't always get it yet. Because again, it's like uh, in a war. We go to war, we know there's a certain percentage of our people are going to be murdered and killed out there on the field. That's called acceptable loss. School is not a war. Zero acceptable loss in my world. So what do we do is we start really getting into that personalized learning. How do we put it on their plate? How do I get to know them as human beings, not as students? How do I stop teaching a class and teach a kid? Right? Um, and how do I get my system to support that? So that last question is the one that seems so overwhelming and, and I, I can't even tackle it. I can only do what's inside my classroom. Cool, only do that. Uh, but I will say that if you are interested in, in how the system is changing, uh, the state of Kansas, uh, which is known for our progressive education, have been in the process of school redesign, where we are redesigning the system from the bottom up. The teachers are leading the charge. The administrators um, are listening and, and breaking the hurdles down. The Department of Education is listening and guiding at the same time, but listening. And now when we say, hey, listen, we want to do this because this is good for kids. Here's the research we want to do, and here's why. Let us do it. The State Department says, hold tight, hold tight. Our policies against it, hold tight. No, you are allowed to do that now. Go. Yeah, and, 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 and in these places, they're changing policy at the state based on what teachers are saying. This is what our kids want to need. And we're seeing amazing results. And we're looking at not only academic, but we're looking at social emotional uh, supports with that. We're looking at partnerships with our communities. This is a full system change. I coach schools in redesign. I have been doing this for four years now. Um, <clears throat> when this when the pandemic hit, my school's in the process of change went, oh crap. Well, all right, this is what we're gonna do. And they just, they, they paused and moved forward while I watched all the rest of the schools who have said, oh my gosh, we're not doing that, flounder and, and, and hit the ground. And, and it breaks my heart because there are kids behind those teachers who are floundering. Process of redesigning has really empowered engaged the educators at all levels, K-12, admin, up through to our State Department in doing something different. It's not perfect. There's still people in the State Department who aren't caught up yet. We're not turning the Titanic around yesterday. It takes a bit, and this is one state, but this is, when we're talking about engagement of each student, this is really what we're talking about. Start with your classroom, get all you can, and then work on the other kids. It's personalized, it's connection, it's knowing them, and it's saying hell with the rules for a second. Not laws, but rules. 
and I'm going to do what I need for this kid. I love that. And I think Ginger, as, as, as people are listening to, I think even if you don't work in the state of Kansas and it's phenomenal and I'll def- definitely, for those that aren't aware of all that work happening, I'll get the links in the show notes. Cause I think people need to take a look at what's happening in terms of the partnerships at all the levels, trying to come together and listen and, and, and really truly redesign education. So people really do need, need to check that out. Now I know if you're like, yeah, but my state or my district, I, I, I would challenge that these things can still happen because I think right now the systems in place, they don't know what to do during these times. And it's not a knock on anybody. There is no crystal ball. There is no playbook for this. So the opportunity is for everybody right now to go try the things that you've always wanted to try that you know are best for kids. And if you knock it out of the park, that's going to be that domino effect to create what I do believe will be system change. So if you are a classroom teacher and maybe you've been, been, you know, you, you feel like your hands have been tied behind your back because of this policy or this, whatever, like the doors have been blown wide open for you as well. We talked about the kids earlier. I think it's there because no one can really truly prove to you that your idea is or is not going to work. So you have a chance to go do that. And if you know in your gut, that's the beauty of educators. They know kids better than anybody else. The people in the classrooms with the kids know what works more than anybody. You have an opportunity here to kind of put the proof to the pudding to make it happen. So I do think you have to, yes, there's stress. Yes, there's lots going on. But you also have to see it as an opportunity to do the things that you've always wanted to do that maybe you didn't have permission. Um, You know, and I think just so... I hold my own self accountable of some things too, as I asked Patty and Ginger to, to share some ideas. You know, I think Patty, you said something that I think becomes a strategy for teachers too, that, you know, we can put together an activity that we think is engaging and maybe it doesn't get everybody, but to also reach the goals of what Ginger said, of z- we should have 0% of kids not engaged. You have to keep doing these different activities. So I might launch an activity today in my teaching and maybe it doesn't, doesn't get a hold of, of, of Timmy and Susie, but next week or the next day I have another activity and maybe that grabs in, but it didn't grab these other kids. Like the idea is, you know, if every teacher's doing that, constantly come up with activities and, and lessons and, and, and projects, we can get every kid engaged in some shape or form and at some way along the line. Like we can't always have, yeah, go ahead. I just wanted to interject there because I, that's one of the reasons why I'm a super big fan of things like centers or station-based lessons because Instead of having all 30 of your kids read the same thing, write the same thing, do the same thing, if you gave them these opportunities in shorter bursts of five different ways to attack the same concept, then what you're doing is finding five different ways to engage different students, right? And so the idea being, uh, now, of course, we're not, in a lot of cases, not doing necessarily center space or station space when we're doing hybrid or virtual, but there are virtual ways do that, right? Choice is a big piece of it. And I think, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I think that that, when we're talking about real honest to God tactics that we could use, um, choice is huge, right? And giving students um, different ways to attack the same concept, one that might hook, and even if that means finding, excuse me, five different real life connections to a concept, so that maybe I'm not into fashion, but I am into, um, you know, environment, or maybe I'm not into fashion or environment, but I am social justice. And there's a way to connect the same concept to all three of those. That's how you start to get to that zero tolerance 
of losing kids. Yeah, no, spot on. Yeah, thank you for for interjecting and throwing it in there. I think that that's so important for us to think about. Um, I was thinking about just even my wife, like with algebra, like she does this quick activity with popsicle sticks, trying to get kids to understand algebraic equations and how many triangles can you make with nine and how many can you make with 15? Now write an equation for 101. And, you know, what do we do when we can't? hand out hand out manipulatives to the kids that are online so we created digital popsicle sticks well if they don't want to you know so at home you can use whatever you want tangibly but if you don't have that here's a here's a slide that moves them around like we just we created choice in terms of the manipulative um not earth shattering but like every kid now we know every kid has an opportunity to do the activity in some shape or form depending on what works best you know and that's just like a small little nudge it's not it's not earth shattering, but we now know when she goes to do these lessons, whether in class or online or a live session or, you know, however it is, every kid has an opportunity to kind of figure out what works best for them. Um, you know, and so I think there's, there's just, doesn't have to be almost like project-based learning, right? Ginger, these don't have to be these huge things right now. These are just small little shifts in some of your day-to-day routines, building into something bigger that you're working on. But like, it doesn't, we're not asking you to like upend the whole system right now for class tomorrow. Like that's not realistic either, you know? And I think the last tip that I would give for strategies um, is we've been so quick here in Iowa to move into content. We were, we're at the time of this recording, we're in our third week of school already here in Iowa. Um, and I think people move so fast into content. They're worried about, I don't have enough class time. I don't see them every day. So we got to get this learning in. And I think if we want kids to truly be engaged, have we created the conditions, whether in person or online, for the safety to be vulnerable. And this is not vulnerable, like, let me tell you my whole life story vulnerable. I'm talking about vulnerability of learning. And anytime you're gonna ask me to share an idea, whether that's a new way of solving an algebraic equation, whether that's a new way of solving this, this STEM challenge that, that Patty has launched in the class for us to explore a, a science concept, you're asking me to be vulnerable because the vulnerability is someone may not like my idea. My idea? might be wrong. I might think someone else has a better idea. Therefore, you're like, and so if you don't spend the time and I think it takes weeks and I think it's, it's an easy thing to kind of overlook in the virtual thing because their, their screens aren't on and you know, the cheesy get to know you activities don't work online. Like you have to build a relation. You have to build systems where kids are welcoming. So when you move into your content where you need them to be engaged, they feel safe enough to go, you know what? Okay. I'll roll with you here. And I, I, I was having this conversation. I don't know that it's like the right way of framing it, but in my goal, I'll work with a teacher. They're like, every kid has their, their screens off. Okay, so then what are you doing to build safety and vulnerability in your online spaces that maybe a week from now, one kid has their screen on because they want to actually talk and engage with you. And then, you know, and maybe the next session, maybe there's two kids. Like, And now that your goal is like to check off that every video is on, um, but how do we create these things where all of a sudden kids are willing to kind of maybe come out of their shell a little bit because it's all new for kids too. This, you know, and so I think there's just lots of things that for us to, to think about. But I think, again, as much as it's been as a tale as old as time, that relationships and building that safety that is harder to do online, but you can't overlook it either. But I think to Ginger's point too, and to tie in what you were saying, I defy somebody's uh, policy at the district level that says you're not allowed to get to know your kids right? Um, that's not in the rules. It's encouraged. And in the conversation that we are having, it's necessary. It's necessary to know who you're engaging with so that you can engage them. Important. We just didn't Absolutely. do it. Right. We did it. 
and we didn't need to because we were teaching a class, not kids. Now we're teaching kids who have the power to say, bye, it's the come home to roost a little bit. And so now what are we doing to make that connection? And um, famous uh, psychologists, I have some, somebody who did some really smart things, uh, is um, Alice Miller. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Alice Miller's work, but one of the things, and this is something we've been doing a lot of work in our school and family peace framework, where we're uh, starting to uh, go from a lot of pain into healing and hope, because that's this relationship building. It's beyond the um, social, emotional, 20 minutes a day canned curriculum, which is what kids roll their eyes at. <laughs> and we feel like we're doing something because it's the best we know. There is better. Um, and anyway, that's, uh, that school and family peace framework is uh, informed a lot by Alice Miller's work, who says, we can only take others as far as we ourselves are willing to go. So in your own connections with other people, do you continue to say that technology is the devil? Or have you found ways to really connect with people outside of your kids in your classroom? Do you turn it off? Do you still say that tech is the devil with kids? Because you said it for a few decades before this happened. And then all of a sudden, it's the only way we have that is keeping us connected. And by the way, it always kept us connected. We just chose not to use it that way. So now it's hard to reframe everything that you've taught yourself one way. We should only help those <laughs> as far as we ourselves are willing to go. So then how is the learning that you're doing online personalized? How is it connected to the life beyond just siloed information? What part of the information you're learning is niched? I mean, when I learned how to fix my um, sink disposal, I didn't take plumbing 101. I took how to clean and how to fix my freaking disposal. That's niched work. Yay. And you know what it wasn't? A semester long. It was a bit. Right? I mean, the YouTube video. I learned a lot that way. <laughs> okay. So then, um, so then that's the small piece or piece. What's the bigger piece? I've got a teacher, a faculty teacher who said, Ginger, I can't teach cooking and, and sewing now because it's break our social distancing. What the hell do I do? I said, you're going to run it now. He said, what? <laughs> and I played out for her, her whole family in consumer science trimester. And she was like, oh my God. And that's just all she's running now because it's perfect. It's online, it's 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 a face-to-face, -face, and it's everything they really needed to know. And then they can still cook too. And those who want to sew can too. And I said, You're welcome. And she's blowing her mind with that. And the kids are coming at the end of the day. This is so much fun. Because it's relevant to them. And it's nothing that she'd ever done before. And it was definitely what they told her not to do in teachers. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, Ginger, I think you, you, you said some things there that I think is a, a perfect space to, to wrap some things up on, um, you know, that we can only take our, our students as far as we're willing to take ourselves. And I might 
not have been verbatim of, of of the quote, but the idea is there. And I think that's something for all of us. I think we all need to to take some time. And um, it's the initial stage of engagement for our own journey, you know, to, to sit and ponder that. And then as we talked about earlier, you know, um, using the, the ideas of, of Ginger, you know, we can we can think about that. But if we really want to be engaged in this in this change of, of learning and, and teaching, then we think about what does that look like for me and what are you going to do? There's the call to action is what is it that you're going to do to try to figure this out? And so um, I think, you know, we, lots of ideas have been been shared. And, and Patty and Ginger, thank you so much for, for some just really great thoughts. I mean, I was sitting here scribbling down notes and, you know, I know I have to go back and do, do some of my own rethinking. And um, all the things mentioned will definitely get linked in the show notes for those listening in. And and we would love to hear from you. I would love to hear from, from those listening where are you at in your headspace, either with the topic of engagement or what are things that you're finding that are working? What I mean, what are things that you're finding that are not working? I mean, sometimes it works to, to come at it from that angle too. I did this and it didn't work. Okay, great. Now now what? You know. And so um, I think this is a, a, a conversation that needs to be ongoing for, for everybody involved um, um, because it's, it's, it's vital work, whether we're in the state of, of, of society that we are now with, with COVID or at some point we move, get beyond that, we will at some point. But that frame of thought can't stop. Like this is uh, what we've been trying to get to for a long time. We, we've all, and I say all in education, and I know some of us are, are, are further ahead than others. We've all talked a good game. The education the system has talked a good game for a long time. And we realize now that talking about it isn't going to work. We've got, we've got to do it and we can all play our part. So uh, Ginger and, and, and Patty, thank you so much for jumping on the call. I'm looking forward to uh, the feedback, the thoughts, ideas, and uh, you know, even selfishly for uh, challenging my own thinking. <laughs>